0: Good morning, everyone. I'm glad to be here with you this morning at Sterling College. Thank you for having me. If you have your Bibles, please open to Matthew chapter 7, where we will focus our time this morning. Matthew chapter 7, and find verses 24 through 29. While you you turn there, I want you to consider warning labels. Warning labels. What are warning labels for? On just about anything you buy today, there is a warning label on that product. We see warning labels on coffee cups for a situation that occurred many years ago when someone spilled hot coffee on themselves and received millions of dollars in damages. Warning labels are literally on everything today. These are common sense Labels, they warn the consumer as to what they ought not to do so they can stay alive and enjoy the blessing of life. Companies don't want to be sued for not forewarning their consumers to not use their products in an improper way. Okay, listen to these crazy warning labels on actual products that you can go buy today. These were collected by Amy Simpson when she was working on her book She collected the following warnings she found on various consumer products. Here they are. On a Duraflame fireplace log, warning, risk of fire. On a Batman costume, warning, cape does not enable user to fly. On a bottle of hair coloring, warning, do not use as ice cream topper. On a cardboard sun shield for a car, warning, do not drive with sun shield in place. My favorite, I've got four little kids. On a portable stroller, warning, remove infant before folding for storage. While these warning labels are quite hilarious and ridiculous, it makes you kind of wonder what kind of next level foolish would warrant such a warning. Yet we come to a passage today where Jesus is sharing about a wise man and a foolish man. Jesus here is giving his final warning label to all who are listening. So I want to ask you a question this morning Do you do what Jesus says? Do you do what Jesus says? I did not ask, Do you like what Jesus says? There are a lot of people who like what Jesus says, but obedience to Christ is key. I did not ask if you were amazed at what Jesus said. Verse 28 in our passage says, the crowds were what? They were amazed. I'm not even asking if you have been convicted or convinced with what Jesus has said. Rather, do you do what Jesus says? We know from the Sermon on the Mount that many will hear the Word of God, but not many will heed the Word of God. Even pretenders get the identity of Jesus right. Friends, you can know Jesus intellectually, but not personally. You can know Jesus intellectually, but not as Savior of your entire life. Friend, is that you? Virgin reminds us, to be devoid of Christ is to be devoid of hope forever and ever. As you examine your heart today, this morning, have you become a professional at hearing God's word, but not heeding God's word? Do you do what Jesus says? Read with me in Matthew chapter 7 starting in verse 24. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and does them may be compared to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain descended and the rivers came and the winds blew and fell against that house, yet it did not fall. Why? For it had been founded on the rock. Verse 26. And everyone hearing these words of mine And not doing them may be compared to a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and slammed against that house, and it fell. And great was its fall. Now it happened that when Jesus had finished these words, the crowds were astonished at his teaching. For he was teaching them as one having authority and not as their scribes. So today we will observe one illustration involving two builders that we must understand to heed the word of God and live in obedience to his word. Point number one, a wise builder. Look again at verse 24 and 25. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and does them may be compared to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain descended and the rivers came and the winds blew and fell against that house. And yet it did not fall for it had been founded upon the rock. The contrast we see between verses 24 and verse 27 is between two people who hear. There's only two types of people in this audience today, those who hear and those who don't hear. You're either listening or you're not. Some hear the word of God and delight in obeying his word. Others hear the word of God but find delight in this world. Each house in Jesus' illustration looks secure. On the outside, they both look solid. They both look hefty. They both look well-built. However, the severe testing reveals the true quality of a builder's work. It is obvious that both the builders belong to the body of believers. They both likely read scripture. They both likely attend church. They both find ways to serve. They're both busy framing up some kind of spiritual value system and they're building up some evidence of spiritual activity. However, there's one major and tremendous difference. One is wise and one is a fool because one builds his house upon the rock and the other builds his house on sand. I'm sure many of you have seen a foundation of a house before. I'm sure all of you have at some point in time. And there are various types of foundations for a house. But the ones that you see in Kansas, say, in a new subdivision, you see these concrete walls and metal rebar sticking out of the ground, reinforcing it for strength. Other homes have a massive concrete slab. And below it has dirt that's compacted and rock that's compacted. However, when the house is built, the foundation is invisible. You cannot see the foundation of the house when the house is built. So it becomes a challenge to tell how good that foundation really is, how well that house is built. And we can be deceived at how well the foundation is built by simply looking at the interior or the exterior of the house. Herein lies a great truth. A lot of people hear Christ's teaching, but the ones who do them are heeding God's word. That's ultimately the bottom line. Friends, it's not my uh, objective here to be harsh, but I do desire to be truthful. There are many people who hear. But if you examine your life here right now, as you sit in this very room, and you have a life full of hearing God's word, but not heeding God's word, maybe you should be considering what your foundation is. Look at this passage, verse 25. The rain fell, the floods came, the winds blew, they slammed against the house. And what happened to this house? It did not fall. Why? Because it had been founded upon the rock. Friends, here's the reality the storms of life will manifest truth. The the storms of life are going to come and hit you at some point in time, and it will manifest what you believe, who you believe, why you believe. Then we will find out who is a wise man and who is a foolish man. Jesus, the Lord of the entire universe, uses this illustration to drive home the importance of heeding God's word, of obedience to God's word. Jesus is using this illustration to close The Sermon on the Mount, and here's the thing, if a person lives according to the principles of the Sermon on the Mount, the world calls him a fool, but Jesus calls you a wise man. What does Jesus say? He says, live by faith, not by sight. Live for me. Friend, are you in that category? Have you built your house upon the solid rock? Is your foundation built upon heeding God's word? And if so, the world calls you a fool. So what is this rock that Jesus is talking about here? Does Jesus say in verse 24, therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine builds his house upon the rock. No, that's not what he says. He says, therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them may be compared to a wise man who built his house upon the rock. So when asking this question, what is the rock, The rock is obedience to the word of God. Yes, that's the rock. God is the rock. Christ is the chief cornerstone. Friend, I go back to my question. Do you do what Jesus says? Are you a wise builder? Have you built your house upon the rock? Is your foundation the word of God in Jesus Christ? Do you neglect sincere fellowship with Jesus? Do Do you appreciate the word of God? but you have no zeal, you have no study, you have no steadfastness to learn from the changeless word of God? Are you what Jesus calls a wise builder? The parallel passage to this passage is in Luke chapter 6, and in that passage it describes the foolish man being in a big hurry while the wise man is not. The parallel passage says that the wise man dug deep. And I love this. The wise man dug deep. The wise man dug deep to the foundation. The wise man went for the rock in the word of God. Does that describe you? Friend, or are you quick for results? Are you quick for knowledge? Are you quick for wisdom? What does it mean to dig deep? First of all, it means that you're not necessarily in a hurry. Those who claim Christ as their Savior must be willing to dig deep. We must count the cost of following Christ, and then dig deep into the Word of God. Think about the passage later in Matthew chapter thirteen. Jesus says, "But he that received the seed in stony places is he that hears the word immediately and receives it with joy, but he has no root, so he endures for a little while." And when tribulation and persecution arise because of the word, immediately he is offended and he runs away. What's your foundation? What is your house built on? Are you a wise builder or a foolish builder? Friends, we're drawn to the easy way, aren't we? It's what's most natural to us. But the person who digs deep to strive and to work by God's word to enter the narrow gate. It's much easier to do the easy thing, to give into the flesh, but it takes someone who is striving, someone who is, who is digging, someone who is heeding God's word to live a life that is pleasing to the Lord. Is that you? I love this quote by Thomas A. Kempis who wrote the book, The Imitation of Christ. He said, Let it not be said that repentance is difficult, Things that are excellent deserve labor. Will not a man dig for gold, though it makes him sweat? It is better to go with difficulty to heaven than with ease to hell. What would the damned give that they have a herald sent to them from God to proclaim forgiveness upon their repentance? What volleys of sighs and groans of repentance would they send up to heaven? What floods of tears would their eyes pour forth? but it is now too late. They may keep their tears to lament their folly sooner than to procure God's pity. Oh, that we would therefore, while we are on this side of the grave, make our peace with God. Tomorrow may be our dying day. Let this be our repenting day. Being a wise man is repenting, of your sin and turning towards Christ. Point number two, a foolish builder. Look with me at verse 26. And everyone hearing these words of mine and not doing them may be compared to a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and slammed against that house and it fell and great was its fall. Secondly, there's a foolish builder. First, there was a wise builder. Now we look at the foolish builder. Notice the similarities of location between the houses. First of all, both individuals have built a house. They're both involved in some type of spiritual activity. They're both involved in, in something that has to do with the kingdom of God. In addition, I think Jesus is demonstrating that both houses have the same location because the same storm hits both of these houses. These two individuals build a house and they're built in the same area and the same location and they're both subject to the same storm. Friends, true believers and false believers invariably live side by side. They're on the same block. They attend the same church. They go to the same school and they are so similar in the way that they build that they're nearly indistinguishable from other people. Notice, too, as we've read through this passage, that the builders even built it the same way because Jesus says the only difference here is the foundation. It does not imply that the house itself was any different. But both people build a house, they build it in the same place, and they primarily build it in the same way. Arthur Pink writes of these people, They bring their bodies to the house of prayer, but not their souls. They worship with their mouths, but not in spirit and in truth. They are sticklers for immersion or early morning communion, but they take no thought about keeping their hearts with all diligence. They boast of their orthodoxy, but disregard the precepts of Christ. And are you keeping your heart with all diligence? He is saying that the person who lives a life where he only hears and he never does has a house built on sand. What does the sand represent? Human will, human opinion, human attitude, the shifting sands of human philosophy. Even though you listen, you don't do it, you're not on the rock. On the other hand, the wise man who hears the word of God and builds his life on God's word, he has a rock-solid foundation, which is a life of obedience to God. If you go around proclaiming to be a Christian, you say, I profess it verbally, I listen, I've got head knowledge. But friend, where there is no obedience, there should be a legitimate question of one's salvation. Look at your life. Examine your life. Is it a life that longs beyond any other desire to obey the word of God? Or is your heart inclined to disobeying and and always and ever and consistently justifying your disobedience? Obedience is the key word here. Validation of your salvation comes by way of a life that is obedient to God's word. It's evidence that Christ is Savior and Lord of your entire life. And not just a verbal exercise that you do. Verse 25 and 27 describe a day of reckoning that will one day come. What Jesus is simply saying is that one day a storm is going to come. And it's going to be obvious who has their house built on sand and who has their house built on the rock. Someday, friends, there will be a divine accounting. That is what Jesus is saying. God is going to blow the wind of judgment and judgment of rain and judgment of flood. And when he does, some builders will stand and some will fall. And someday, our Savior will return. Flip over to Revelation chapter 19 with me. Revelation chapter 19 and find verse 11. This is a picture of Jesus coming back. Then I saw heaven open, verse 11. And behold, a white horse. And he who sits on it is called faithful and true, and in righteousness he judges and wages war. His eyes are a flame of fire, and on his head are many diadems, having a name written on them which no one knows except himself, and being clothed with a garment dipped in blood. His name is also called the Word of God. And the armies which are in heaven, clothed in fine linen, white and clean, were following him on white horses, and from his mouth comes a sharp sword so that with it he may strike down the nations and he will rule them with a rod of iron. And he treads the winepress of the wrath of the rage of God the Almighty. And he has on his garment and on his thigh a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Whether your idea of religion or Your idea of who Jesus is, is true or false. Someday it will be tried. And someday your true foundation will be exposed. Someday, friends, Jesus will return. Did you hear that description? He is going to return and he is going to separate the chaff from the wheat. He's going to blow the wind of judgment. And those who have built their house, built their lives on the rock, are going to stand. How deep have you dug? Someday when judgment comes, will you be a part of the crowd that Jesus declares, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Friends, not everyone who thinks they are in are in. Look at your foundation. Examine your foundation. Do you do what Jesus says? You may be respectful of Christ. You may be fervent in prayer, You may be fervent in your private devotion. You may even be an active participant in a local church. You may be busy with spiritual activity. But you may be building a religious life that is destined to be destroyed because your foundation is sand. Instead of obedience to God's word, you're focused on your own will, your own whims, your own wishes, your own way rather than the solid rock of Jesus Christ, the solid rock of God's word. Look at the last five words in verse 27 and how Jesus ends the Sermon on the Mount. And great was its fall. Friend, this is Jesus' warning label. This is Jesus' warning label. Jesus ends with a devastating warning that is going to end in judgment. Jesus gives his final warning label here. Just like those labels at the beginning, warning, don't eat this, warning, this thing burns, warning, you can't fly. Jesus ends here with a devastating warning of judgment. Jesus does not say here, well, if you decide not to believe in me, you're certainly missing some nice things. No, Jesus ends with devastation. In judgment. Friends, it calls for a decision. So I ask you today, what is your decision? Do you know what it means to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ? Look at verse 28. Now it happened that when Jesus had finished these words, the crowds were astonished at his teaching. For he was teaching them as one having authority and not their scribes. You know why I'm disappointed by that? By that phrase, by that verse? The crowds were amazed. Friend, that should not be our only response when we come to God's word. When we look back on the Sermon on the Mount and all that Jesus was giving to us, friend, are you in amazement today of what Christ our Savior has done for you? Romans tells us that while you were still sinners, Christ died for you. Romans tells us that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. None is righteous, so no, not one. Friend, what is your foundation? The shifting sands of today and tomorrow or the eternal word of God in Jesus Christ? When Charles Spurgeon invited men and women to make a profession of faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, he said this. I invite men to Christ, not to an altar. Before you leave this place, breathe an earnest prayer to God, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Lord, I need to be saved. Save me. I call upon your name. Lord, I am guilty. I deserve your wrath. Lord, I cannot save myself. Lord, I would have a new Heart and a right spirit, but what can I do? Lord, I can do nothing. Come and work in me to will and to do of your good pleasure. You alone have power to save a wretch like me. To whom or to where should I go if I should run from thee? But I now do from my very soul call upon thy name. Trembling yet believing, I cast myself wholly upon thee, O Lord. I trust the blood and the righteousness of thy dear son. Lord, save me today for Jesus' sake. C.S. Lewis once wrote, when I was a child, I often had a toothache and I, I knew that if I went to my mother that she would give me something that would deaden the pain for the night that would allow me to go to sleep but I didn't want to go to my mother and tell her the pain was very bad. And the reason I did not want to go to my mom was for this reason. I did not doubt that she would give me the aspirin, but I knew that she would give me something else. I knew that she would take me to the dentist the next day. I could not get what I wanted out of her without getting more of what I did not want. I wanted immediate relief from my pain, but I could not get it without having my teeth set permanently right. friends count the cost make no mistake jesus says i will make you perfect the moment that you put yourself in the hands of christ he will see you through paul put it this way he that has begun a good work in you will what perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. So Jesus confronts the empty words and the empty hearts of those who professed to be in the kingdom, but they were not. So what's the result of this sermon? Does the scripture say, and there was great revival and tremendous conversion? No, they weren't converted. They were simply amazed. All they did was analyze. Analyze. If you're here today and all you are is amazed or astonished or astounded, friend, you have not gone far enough. Jesus wants your whole life. He desires there to be revival. It's one thing to know Jesus, but does he know you? What is your response? Because, friend, your eternal destiny depends on it. Your house is either built on sand or your house is built on the rock. If you're here today and this is the true desire of your heart to live a righteous life in Christ Jesus, you have this opportunity to give your life to him, to build your house upon the rock, repent of your sin and turn towards Christ. Don't be a foolish builder. Don't live a foolish life. Don't be a person who needs a foolish label to tell you something. Dig deep. Heed God's word. Obey God's word. Trust in God's word. Because your eternal destiny depends on it. This is Jesus' warning label. Warning. Trust in me while you still can. Warning. A day of judgment is coming. Where is your hope and your trust? Let's pray. Father, thank you for this opportunity today to be here with these students. Father, I pray that you would convict our hearts even at this very moment that we we would not be simply amazed at who you are and what you have done but Father that there would be repentance that we would turn from our sinful ways and we would turn towards Christ that we would trust in him that our foundation would be built upon the rock not on sand Father I pray for these students as they go from this place that you by your Holy Spirit, would be convicting them of sin, judgment, and righteousness. And we thank you that you made a way by way of Jesus Christ. In his name we pray. Amen.